was just, just like, I like to think of myself as a patient person and it's still, <laughs> you know, I know. It's, um, so I thought going into this and this sort of proved the limits of my, of my patience, I think. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query litter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Carolyn Tara O'Neill grew up in a tiny New York City apartment filled with thousands of books. Every Friday, she went to the public library for even more reading material. Since then, Carolyn has dedicated her career to the education and rights of young people. She loves to travel, study languages, and spend endless hours discussing TV, books, great hiking trails, and how we can work together to build a more equal society. Her debut novel, Daughters of a Dead Empire, is set during the Russian Revolution and was published in 2022 by Roaring Brook Press. So please welcome Carolyn to the show. Hello. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thanks so much for coming today and sharing your story with my listeners. So we're going to talk about your journey to publication today, and we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing, and how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? So I'm one of those people who dreamed of being a writer my whole life. So as a child, <laughs> you know, I you know I read every Nancy Drew book I could get my hands on and dreamed of being Carolyn Keene someday. But in terms of like getting serious about my writing. I would say that when I graduated from college, that's when I really started drafting novels that I hoped I could get published. And so that was some years ago. And I would say it was about three or four years and three or four manuscript drafts after that, that I started working on Daughters of a Dead Empire. So I was in my, I'd say, late 20s, mid to late 20s that I started working on it. And I spent... Overall, I'd say I spent five years drafting and revising Daughters of a Dead mm-hmm. Empire until I, before I started like the whole querying process, which we're going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a published author and what you thought that that might look like for you? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I dreamt of having that, that shelf in the library, like Carolyn Keene, um, who had my first name. So that, uh, that was sort of my inspiration from, from a young age. And I think that I didn't really believe, even though I started querying, I don't know that I really believed it was possible and that it would happen until I got my, like an agent offer. Mm. I think that's when it first became real to me. And I started to think, oh, this could actually happen. I've written something that might actually be something that people want to read. And so that was really the moment when I, it was a little scary and of course, like incredibly exciting. Um, But that was really the moment when I started like picturing it and thinking that, oh, this might possibly actually happen. (laughs) So how did you learn more about the publishing industry? Like how it works, how to query all those different things? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this was some years ago. So I know that things have changed, especially with the pandemic. But I did a ton of research. Like I'm a, I wouldn't call myself type A, but like I'm somebody who really likes to cross my T's and dot my I's. I did a lot of research. Like I even read 
those old books like again this was like 10 years ago or something almost 10 years ago so I guess um that explains it but like I went to the books where they like list all the agents Mm. like I got that from the library I did but what I did was I spent time just reading blog article after blog article about how to format a proper query letter I spent I read through almost the entirety of query shark yes like i really i mean that's what people said to do so i i tried it i read through all of her feedback on those queries and really i feel like i absorbed the rhythm of what a query letter is supposed to look like through doing that and so then i also spent a lot of time on reddit uh so uh the pub tips subreddit the ya writer subreddit and the writing subreddits i you know just absorbed all that I could. And I also, on those Reddits, like you can share your query draft, especially on pub tips. I think that's a good um, subreddit for this. You can share your query draft and get feedback from people who give pretty good feedback, in my opinion, on strengthening your query. So I definitely did that a few times. Yeah, just did all the research I could before I, I put my my letters out there. And the first time around, it, I still did terribly. So you know, um, <laughs> but it was it was good preparation. Yeah. So then, what happened? Can you break down your journey for us from then to signing your first book contract? Sure, sure. So let's see, twenty seventeen, I queried for the first time, and this was with daughters of a dead empire but it was in a format where it was only in one point of view so my novel is a dual pov historical and anastasia you know anastasia romanoff is one of the main characters and i had written the book only from the perspective of the second girl so not anastasia (laughs) and i think that probably turned some agents off um, when i was trying to pitch my anastasia retelling so in 2017 i queried I'm going to say about 20, uh, 20 agents. And I think one person like bit, one person asked for a partial manuscript. And so I thought, you know, that's not so good. And I looked over my materials and I felt that my query letter was strong like that. I didn't think that was the problem. It seemed to be the manuscript. Mm -hmm. Like it seemed like the the pages themselves were what was not working. Um, And so I took, and so actually that was when I applied to author mentor match. And I was accepted into Author Mentor Match by the brilliant J. Albert Mann, who is a young adult historical fiction author as well. And um, she helped me revise the manuscript quite a bit. And I spent the next year revising it. And one of the revisions was to turn it into a dual POV manuscript with Anastasia as one of the main mm-hmm. uh, narrators. So I think that helped a lot. Um, I think that was sort of the key element that was missing. And so in 2018, I queried again. Um, and I did much better the second time around, you know, about a third of people I was writing to asked for my full manuscript. I got a couple of offers and ended up going with Andrea Somberg of Harvey Klinger Agency. And so we, so I signed with her and that, that querying process took about four months, which is probably just awful to people who were <laughs> querying during the pandemic. But um, at the time, this was 2018, uh, I took about uh, four months of uh, that second round of querying um, to sign with Andrea. And then we revised a little bit together and then uh, we went on sub um, and we got a bite from my editor, Makisha Telfer, quite quickly. Uh, that was in the first round on sub. Um, and it was a, and then things slowed down a little bit. <laughs> and it took a couple of months before we actually got the official offer. 
Mm. It is time for the first cue of the podcast title. Can you read your successful query letter for us? Yes, I can. This is what I sent to Andrea. Dear Miss Somberg, I read on your manuscript wish list that you enjoy 20th century historical fiction for young adults. You may therefore be interested in my novel, Daughters of a Dead Empire, a 78,000 word YA alternate history. It is a fast-paced retelling of the Anastasia legend depicting friendship across class lines set in 1918 Russia at the height of the revolution. 17-year-old Anna is running for her life. She barely escaped the massacre that killed her family, and now a relentless Red Commander is after her to finish the job. If she can just reach the Tsarist army, she'll be safe. But first she'll have to convince a peasant girl to smuggle her across communist territory. And when she discovers that the peasant is a rebel herself, Anna must hide her true identity at all costs. 16-year-old Evgenia is poor and pissed off about it. Her red soldier brother badly needs a doctor, and Evgenia will do anything to raise the money, even selling a wagon ride to a spoiled bourgeois girl. Only, it turns out to be the worst mistake Evgenia's ever made. A rogue commander is following them, out to kill the wealthy girl and anyone who tries to help her. As the girls flee across the war-torn Siberian countryside, they find that they have more in common than their prejudices led them to expect. To survive, Anna must learn to trust a revolutionary who wants to destroy her world, and Evgenia must decide whether the life of her new friend is worth more than the change she so passionately believes in. Daughters of a Dead Empire is told in dual POV and will appeal to readers of Elizabeth Wine's codename Verity and Ruta Cepetis's Salt to the Sea. I was inspired to write this story in part through my full-time work teaching New York City teenagers how to become politically engaged and seeing firsthand the power and compassion of young people fighting for change. In November 2017, this manuscript won entry into the Author Mentor Match program. Through recent PitMed and DBPIT competitions, this editor at HarperCollins Children and this editor at another publisher um, and this editor at another publisher have all expressed interest in receiving this manuscript on submission. Thank you for your time and consideration. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. How has your experience been since sending that first contract? Especially let us know if there was anything you were surprised about along the way. So there have been a ton of surprises, like a lot. Um, I think probably the biggest one is, and everybody knows this, and yet it was still a surprise how slow <laughs> the process was. So, you know, I said that like we got interest from Makisha in that first round of going on sub. So that happened pretty quick, like within the first month of going on sub. But then it took another like two months to actually get like for her to go to the acquisitions board and get approval and get the offer and for us to agree on like a basic advance plus rights like that alone took you know a few months altogether Mm -hmm. um and from there i would say it was another like five months before we had a oh that's probably an exaggeration but like maybe four months before we had an before we had a, a a contract to sign and then from there it was probably six months before we started editing and like i got my edit letter and so it was just just like i like to think of myself as a patient person and it's still (laughs) you know I know it's um so I thought going into this and this sort of proved the limits of my of my patience I think (laughs) so that was really just something I think a lot of authors wrestle with and I definitely again even though I like thought I was patient going into this definitely it tested my limits um just the the delays and the and the slowness of the process you know I, I signed at a time when like 
things were a little more reasonable, right? So we weren't dealing with a pandemic. We weren't, you know, author advances weren't being split up into like 10 different payments over multiple years and things like that. So I'm a little leery of what's going to happen the next time I go through this process. So that was one of the things that surprised me. I'm going to say another thing that surprised me that's a positive. Um, And that's that once I started working with Makisha, like I've worked with critique groups and brilliant fellow authors over the years who I still um, exchange writing with. And I also worked with my agent, all of these people who get, who give me phenomenal, helpful feedback. And yet the, the degree of feedback and thoughtfulness that my editor, Makisha put into the, into her edit letter and just the meticulousness and the, the depth of her edits really blew me away. And it was just, it felt like such a profound privilege to have somebody take my writing so seriously and treat it so seriously as something that like mattered so much. Like that was the feeling I got from her feedback and her edits. Um, And so that was a marvel. That was something that, that caught me off guard in just the best possible way. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, oh, in addition to like getting to share my work with the world, I also just get this person who cares so much about, about the prose and the, you know, every, like every line of this novel, which was just amazing, really a powerful experience, I would say. And I'll say a third surprise. (laughs) Um, And that's, and this might be of interest to folks in that, like, like if you, especially if you haven't gone on contract yet, after I signed the contract with the publisher, I am, I continue to be surprised by how much my agent is doing mm. and like how much of her work comes after she sells the manuscript in terms of like navigating and liaising with the publisher and the publicity team and, and sort of um, advocating on my behalf there in terms of identi- identifying publicity opportunities in terms of selling world like rights to different countries and translation rights and um, film rights and all of those things. So, and more I'm forgetting, I'm sure there's just so much that an agent does post contract signing. And that totally took me by surprise. I was like, Oh, she's going to like, in my mind, it was like her job is to sell my book. Like that was that was my agent's job. And as it turns out, oh no, um, <laughs> there's actually a crapload more that they that they do. So yeah, all I would say that was a positive surprise because it was just nice to see how much she was supporting me um, and how much she continues to support me. Awesome. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. It's just classifications that we like to put writers in. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Panther, I've tried to change. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Overwriter, colossal overwriter. <laughs> Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? Neither. During the day, morning if I had to choose, but I write once a week on Sundays. I dedicate like a five to eight hour block and that's when I write. Oh. When you start with a new project, do you typically start with a character or plot or concept or something else first? I usually start with a concept and a scene. So like a scene that gets me excited and Mm -hmm. diving into that world. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea. (laughs) When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? I like both, but I tend to go to a cafe and get a little bit of background noise. When it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? Oh my God, get it down. Just get it down. (laughs) (laughs) What tools or software do you use to draft? I write by hand. Um, So I draft by hand and then I type into like a Microsoft Word. And in past, I have used Scrivener. 
I haven't used that in a while though. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes next time. <laughs> Do you prefer drafting or revising more? I like both. Both. Hmm. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? Oh, sequential, always. <laughs> and final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Introvert, a million times over. <laughs> All right. So the show is called Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. And now we're going to talk about the second cue. What were some of the worries that you had on your journey? And were they realized or did you overcome them? Or how did that shake out? I think when I started... I was mostly worried that I just wouldn't publish, that I would never get an agent, that I would, that nobody would ever want to read my work, um, and that I would never write something that was worthy of um, being read. And so I think my biggest anxiety in starting this whole querying and uh, trying to get published process was just not knowing if I was good enough and if I would ever realistically get there. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's I think that's a pretty common one. All right, now it's time for the third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've covered the quirks in that like everybody every time I tell somebody like I write by hand, they're like, "What? That's crazy." <laughs> um so I feel like drafting by hand is usually my quirky answer. Um and then also my Sunday routine. So like I don't write any other time. Like I, I can't, I'm not, I don't even worry about it at this point. I have that, that set routine every Sunday that I, I go and I dedicate those hours to writing. Um, and I don't worry about it the rest of the week or rather I don't get to worry about it <laughs> the rest of the week. So it's one or the other, depending on the time. And then the, so those are, I think, um, my two like most obvious writing quirks. The third I will say is that I'm, and this is not so unusual, but I am just really passionate about setting, mm. which, you know, it's not unusual because I think uh, for a lot of like speculative writers, right? World building is a passion of many. For me as a historical writer, the setting and the world building that I do is just something is that is probably what draws me in more than anything else is like the setting that I want to explore and play with. And so I love whenever I meet a fellow writer who also is like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily... I mean, character is important and we love our characters and plot is important and we, we love figuring out our plots, but it's the setting that gets us really exciting. So I love finding other authors who share that passion. Mm. All right. When you were in the lowest parts of your writing journey, whatever that may have been, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? So for me, I think there were two real low points. And one of those was after I had queried the first time and I didn't know, you know, that I was ever going to get anywhere. And then I was accepted into author mentor match and I connected with my mentor. So I would say that her belief in the story and her excitement and passion for the story from such a, a writer who I respected, that got me going. <laughs> that allowed me to um, continue and like start to believe, oh, oh, maybe there's something here. And then actually before that, I, I actually did give up on this novel. So I, I put it down. I was like, this isn't worth it. It's never going to be readable. And it's sort of, I'm just wasting my time with this, with this novel. And so I, I put it down. I think that was in 2016. And I put it away and I was like, that's it. I'm done. And then several months passed, like half a year passed. And then one of my former writing, like, critique group buddies, her book came out and I hadn't been in touch with her for a few years. 
and her book was published. And her name is Becky Allen. Um, and her book was Bound by Blood and Sand. And it's beautiful. And it came out. Um, and I was like, it was just brought me back to being in that group with her and seeing this writing that like I had read in its early stages and that I had talked with her about just inspired me and made me think, oh, oh, you know, maybe this is achievable. And maybe this is, you know, maybe I should keep going. And so I picked up the manuscript again and started revising again um, and moving forward with it. So it was a couple of low points that I really needed some inspiration to draw me out of. I love that story because we often talk about seeing friends succeed as like a discouraging thing, but you Mm. took it as a encouraging thing. I love that. Totally. Totally. It was, it brought the dream a little closer. Yeah. Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way that you might want to warn listeners about so they don't make the same ones? What a great question. (laughs) Um, I'm sure I did. The mistake I made is one that I think most (laughs) or many writers make, perhaps especially women writers, um, at least in my experience. There's just what I was describing about being totally unable to believe in myself and not totally obviously because I did keep go- I did keep going eventually I did keep pushing but the this conviction I had that like my writing wasn't good enough and just the way that I think so many writers beat ourselves up constantly uh, about our own writing if I could spare anybody from that torment um <laughs> I would I would love to because you know, there's that wonderful, I think it's Ira Glass, there's that wonderful segment from him where he talks about like the gap between mm-hmm. having some talent and enough talent to know what good writing is and recognize that like you're not quite there. But of course, you you know, you have the talent, you're on that track, on the right track. I think so many people just wrestle with that. And yeah, if I could spare anybody that I would, um, I don't know that I can. But <laughs> what I would say is, you know, try not to beat yourself up so much. I saw the thing you're talking about, the iris glass, the gap. I saw a video years ago. I'm going to see if I can find that and put it in the show notes so people can check it out. Oh, that would be fantastic. It is so worth the listen. Yeah. It's fantastic. Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you've learned on your journey to publication? I think one of the most important lessons I've learned from my own experience and also from seeing my friends um, persist and continue doing amazing work and writing and succeeding to varying degrees. My biggest lesson, and it's a hard one, is just the value of pushing, like keep pushing, keep trying, keep putting yourself out there, keep moving forward, even when you totally don't believe in yourself. There is just unfortunately, no other way. I What I see is like these amazing writers who have been pushing and trying to break in for longer than I have, and I have read their work, and they are better writers than I am, and yet not yet published. I know that because they are continuing to push, like I know that if they continue pushing, they will they will get there and they will do it. And then yet I've seen some other people drop out, right? Mm-hmm. And not be able to get an agent and not not be able to get their book published and just sort of turn away from, from that journey. And I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> um, obviously, everybody's, everybody's life story is different. But I just feel like it, it's an it's a industry that 
requires perseverance and requires persistence. There's just no way around it. There's no alternative. You gotta, you gotta keep pushing mm-hmm. as much as it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how? Ah, yes. This is why there are acknowledgements in every book that are like pages and pages long. <laughs> before I like got serious and, and got, I would say, before I um, got an agent and got published, I didn't know. I didn't know what a collaborative industry and what a collaborative endeavor writing was. It always struck me as a solitary one. And it's not. <laughs> um, and I learned my lesson. So I, you know, my agent, of course, uh, just getting that, like that phone call from an agent who tells you, like, I think, you know, I love your book and I'm passionate about it too. And I think we can, you know, share this with the world. That is just such a powerful moment. And then all the work they do, like I mentioned, (laughs) um, all the work you all do. So, you know, definitely my agent and my mentor, J. Albert Mann, who I mentioned, um, again, having those people who believe in you and who spend who are willing to give you the gift of their time is just it, it it's you can't calculate how valuable that is. And so that's why I try to, you know, I, I like to um I try to mentor other writers as well, um, and try to give some of that back because there's just uh, no way around it. <laughs> and then, you know, my writing group, I mentioned um, my amazing, we have an Instagram that's um, YA hype, um, where we just like talk up uh, YA novels. Um, and it's just this amazing group of writers uh, that I get to work with. And so they've been like, I've been with them for many years, uh, and hopefully many more years to come. <laughs> uh, so having that critique group, I think is just I don't know. For me, it's it's like life changing. For me, it's an essential. I don't know how I would do this without that critique group. Um, and then the other thing I would say is once I uh, sold my book, there are every year and this you sort of find these like through Twitter or Facebook. There are groups of like debut authors who just band together and learn from one another and commiserate with one another. And you get to know other people who are debuting in your year. So I, even though my book came out this year, I was originally meant to come out in 2021. And so the 20 wonders group was just, uh, I mean, again, life changing joy. It was just, I got to connect with people who were going through the same thing I was. And I just had a great time getting to know them and connecting with people there. So that's another like thing you find out um, along the way is like you, these like quasi secret, quasi public <laughs> debut groups that are just great spaces uh, to be in. And, you know, I learned so much and, and met a lot of amazing people through those. So super grateful that I, that I found them. Awesome. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with my listeners. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank me for, thank you for your very thoughtful questions too. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of queries, qualms, and quirks. You can find the text of Carolyn's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.